Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. You can view the live stream on Facebook at Mother Miriam Live. Now, here's Mother Miriam. Hello, beloved family. How are you? I pray you are well. I wish I could hear your response through the microphone, but I cannot. But I pray for you daily and pray that you are well and growing in the nurture and the love of our Lord Jesus Christ and raising your family to be saints for heaven. Um, I'm camping on the family because that's what God has done. He has chosen the family as his instrument, not one among others, but the only instrument to build his kingdom, which is why the enemy is uh, working 24-7 to destroy the family. And someone once said that the demons always do the will of their father. So the family left and right, one thing after another, that the evil forces out there... uh, uh, evil people, people that do evil things, uh, keep coming up with, whether it's same-sex unions or marriage or transgenderism or gender ideology, (coughs) um, different concepts on marriage and all of that. God created Adam and Eve, and um, that's it. Man and woman, there is no other possibility for a union between two people. Um, or a marriage, and no other possibility for the definition of a family. Um, And if you do anything else, if you are a so-called same-sex couple and you adopt children, you will deprive those children of the mother that they need or the father that they need. Um, They will grow up um, disoriented and distorted. Uh, We cannot do our own thing. God has um, determined Um, the uh, creation and growth of civilization. And I believe it's largely because of the Catholic Church and Catholics that our culture has been so degraded because Catholics do not know their faith and um, for the most part and have lived like the world. Uh, They are in the world and of it rather than in the world and not of it. And beloved, if you are one of them, I don't put any blame on anyone because there's so many causes causes for it. Um, but it's time now that you must return to God's design of the family. You must. You must leave sin behind and you must have a valid marriage and your children uh, must come second in your life, not first. Your spouse is always first. Husbands, you must lay down your life for your wife as Christ laid down his life for the church and gave his life for her. That is the love that God intends a woman to submit to, and that is a love that any woman longs to submit to. And women, you need to submit to your husbands as to the Lord. They may not be uh, as capable as you or smart as you or as wise as you, if that, that may be your conclusion, and you might be right. It doesn't matter. It's their vocation to head the family. And if you choose not to come on them because you think you know a better way, you will not please God and your family will not have peace. 
we began yesterday with the voice of the family, um, the uh, current article by Professor Roberto de Matai on the origins of a moral revolution, and it's Vatican II on marriage and the family. And uh, Professor Matai has written this in two parts. We began yesterday. I won't reread the whole thing, but the subtitle, I'll go down to several paragraphs. The subtitle is The Birth of the New Morality. And a new morality, dear ones, can never be God's morality. Um, Truth doesn't change. God doesn't change. I am the Lord, he says, I change not. He is truth. And, and Professor Matai writes, in the last years of Pius XII's pontificate, conjugal morality was founded on the natural law and could be summed up in one point, continence, inside and outside marriage, was considered a Christian value, while the sexual union outside the sacrament of marriage was considered a grave sin. It still is, beloved, but the world doesn't, no longer knows it or chooses not to know it. <clears throat> He continues, according to the church's magisterium, the primary purpose of marriage is procreation, which is not a purely biological act, but includes the natural and supernatural education of the children. Secondary purposes of marriage are the mutual aid of the spouses and the remedy for concupiscence. These cannot be placed before the primary purpose. They must remain on a lower level and not be separated from the generative function. You hear that? Unitive cannot be placed above procreative. This is what all moral theologians used to teach, and all pastors and confessors referred to this doctrine, expounded by the encyclicals Arcanum of Leo XIII and Casti Canovi of Pius XI, and by the teaching of Pius XII in numerous speeches given to spouses, physicians, and the Roman Rota. But the 1950s and 1960s saw the beginning of a process of subversion, subversion of traditional morality, led by theologians such as the German Jesuit Josef Fuchs, F-U-C-H-S, 1912-205, professor at the Gregorian University, and the Italian redemptorist Domenico Capone, who lived 1907 to 1998, professor of the Alfonsanium, no, Alfonsianum, but above all, the German redemptorist Bernard Haring, 1912 to 1998, also a professor at the Alfonsanium and author of a 1954 work titled Das Gesetz Christi, in which he tried to translate the thesis of La Nouvelle Theologiae, recently condemned by Pius XII in the encyclical Humanae Generis, um, into the field of morality. The key point of the outlook of Haring and the other innovators was, and is, the replacement of the concept of nature with that of the person. Listen to this. You may have, forget all the names, which I'm not all that familiar with, and all of that, but listen to this. The key point of the outlook of Haring and the other innovators was and is the replacement of the concept of nature with that of person. According to classical philosophy, nature comes before the person. In fact, 
human nature is the essence of man, what he is before being a person. Man is the subject of rights and duties because he is a person, but he is a person according to his human nature. The whole of Haring's work is aimed at nullifying the natural law in the name of a Christian existential personalism. The moral personalism propagated by Teilhard de Chardin, influenced by existentialism, but also by evolutionist theories, overturned traditional doctrine and replaced the morality rooted in natural law with an evolutionary ethics based on personal decision. The re-foundation of morality on the person rather than on the objective reality of nature means attributing a dominant role to the human conscience. If the person comes before nature, he is founded on his own self-awareness and on his own will. The moral rule is no longer objective, but effective, personal, existential. The individual conscience becomes the sovereign norm of morality. And the first field for the application of this new anthropology is, anthropology is conjugal morality. All that to say, beloved, that man has reversed God's design. We are, by essence, nature. We are full persons and defined by our nature. Um, So if the individual conscience becomes the sovereign normal of morality and the first field for the application of this new, new anthropology, the study of man, is conjugal morality, then it's what's happening today. Everybody's saying, I can do what I want. My conscience tells me this. But if our conscience, beloved, is not in line with the church's teaching, our conscience is wrong. And the next subtitle is The Schema of Vatican II on Chastity, Marriage, Family, and Virginity. Now, most of you listening, or not most of you, how do I know that? Many of you were born uh, after Ch- Vatican II. I was born before Vatican II, but knew nothing of it because I was raised in the synagogue, not the Catholic Church. Um, but many of you who grew up from Vatican II on never knew Mass except the Novus Ordo, never knew any other teaching um, that has been, uh, other than has been uh, promulgated from Vatican II. And it is dangerous because the errors are not as stark. Um, And there are ways that so-called theologians have worked around them. And it's destroying us. It's destroying God's design of human nature and his people and the church. There's the music, beloved, for our first break. We'll be right back after the break and continue with this. And then, as always, after the second break, we'll take your calls, your emails, um, with anything on your heart. The toll-free number is 1-877-511-5483 or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. We'll be right back.
Please join us in a prayer to our guardian angel. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. O holy guardian angel, take care of our soul and body. Enlighten our mind that we may know the Lord better and love him with all our heart. Help us in our prayers so that we may not give in to distractions. Assist us with your advice so that we may see the good and carry it out with generosity. Defend us from the insidious snares of the enemy and sustain us in temptations that we may always be victorious. Remedy our coldness in our worship of the Lord. Cease not to protect us until you have brought us into paradise where we will praise our good God together for all eternity. Amen. My name is Nathan Wigfield, Executive Director of the St. Thomas More House of Prayer, a Catholic retreat center in Cranberry, Pennsylvania, with the mission of praying and promoting the Liturgy of the Hours. Our goal is to help people experience the Liturgy of the Hours and discover the prayer that will change their life. The Catholic Church teaches us that the Liturgy of the Hours is the prayer that Christ Himself, together with His body, addresses to the Father and that its purpose is to sanctify each day and the whole range of human activity. That means every time we pray this prayer, our relationship with Christ is deepened. We are united to the faithful of every time and place, and our entire day and work are made holy unto the Lord. To learn more about the prayer of the Church, please visit liturgyofthehours.org or call our retreat center at 814-676-1910. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. I am live and I am she and I'm thrilled to be with you. And we are um, oh, almost at the middle of an article uh, on, from Voice of the Family by Roberto, Professor Roberto de Metai. And it's titled, The Origins of a Moral Revolution, Vatican II on Marriage and the Family. It's a two-part article, and we're reading part one at this moment. And we are um, uh, down to a subtitle, which is The Schema of Vatican II on Chastity, Marriage, Family, and Virginity. And it begins, on 25th January 1959, just three months after his election to the papal throne... Pope John XXIII announced the convocation of Vatican II. The decision was sudden and surprising, but the preparation of the council was thorough and painstaking. Through an ante-preparatory phase, A-N-T-E, that's a, a, a pre-preparatory phase, one, one whole year, and a preparatory phase of two years, the spring of 1960 saw the collection of the Concilia e Vota, the 2,150 responses from the bishops of the whole world to the request for issues to be brought before the future assembly. Then all this material was sent to 10 commissions appointed by the Pope to draw up the schemata 
for submission to the council. The commissions operated under the supervision of Cardinal Ottaviani, Prefect of the Holy Office, until June of 1962. On the 13th of July, three months before the opening of the assembly, John XXIII established that the first seven constitutional schemata um, which he had approved were to be sent to all the council fathers as the basis for discussion for the general congregations. They were denominated the sources of revelation, keeping the deposit of faith pure, the Christian moral order, chastity, marriage, family, and virginity, the sacred liturgy, the means of communication, the unity of the church with the Eastern churches. These documents on which 10 commissions had worked for three years collected the best of what the theology of the 20th century had produced. They were dense and comprehensive texts that went straight to the heart of the problem of the time in clear and persuasive language. John XXIII studied them carefully, annotating them with handwritten comments on all the schemata, as then Archbishop Vincenzo Fagiolo recalls, quote, in the margins, there are these often repeated expressions, good, excellent, only on only one, that on the liturgy, which appears in fifth place in the volume, here and there appear some question marks, all in the Pope's own hand, with a sense of astonishment and disapproval. The schema on the family was called the draft of a dogmatic constitution on chastity, marriage, family, and virginity. The introduction explained that the Holy Synod has decided to exalt and defend in a single dogmatic constitution both the chastity of the unmarried together with its most beautiful flower, sacred virginity, and the chaste marriage with its celestial fruit, the Christian family. The document is divided into three parts. Excuse me. The document is divided into three parts, accompanied by notes. The very first chapter of the first part clarifies that, quote, sex is ordered to marriage and its spiritual and material goods and that it is unjust to want to change one's sex if sufficiently determined. It is unjust to want to change one's sex if sufficiently determined. This is amazing because we're looking at back in 1960. It Nor is it permissible to bring human germ cells of the two sexes together in laboratories so that they can be united. A note recalls the speech of Pius XII on the 19th of May, 1956, according to which, quote, with regard to the attempts at artificial human fertilization in vitro, it is sufficient to observe that they are to be rejected as immoral and absolutely illicit. This is amazing, beloved. Everything that we're reading is forbidden by the church, is what is free practice today. 
Father Matei, Professor Matei continues, the document reiterates that, quote, although chastity is not the only nor the first good of the moral life of men, nevertheless, without it, there cannot be an integral moral life, end quote. Recalling the passage of St. Paul, which says, do not err, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor the effeminate, nor liars with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor railers, nor extortioners shall possess the kingdom of God. And I'm thinking today with fiducia supplicants, beloved, the effeminate homosexuals will not enter heaven. So how on earth do they come before a priest and ask for a blessing as a couple? And even if it's argued that fiducia supplicans says, no, they're supposed to come as, as um, be blessed as individuals while they're holding hands and sleeping together, but they're blessed as individuals. Why would a priest bless a homosexual asking for his blessing unless the blessing is for his repentance and he acknowledges that? Professor goes on. It explains the importance of inculcating this virtue chastity among young people, recalling that God does not ask for anything that is impossible, but sustains with his grace those who undertake to observe his law in matters of sexuality as well. The text, moreover, condemns all forms of violation of modesty and of sexual deviation. In the second part, Professor continues, dedicated to marriage and the family, the first chapter reaffirms both the principles of the unity and indissolubility of marriage and that of the hierarchy of ends. The text specifies that the primary purpose is solely the procreation and education of offspring, even if a particular marriage should be unfruitful. The perpetual and exclusive right to acts capable of generating children by natural means must be considered as the proper object of matrimonial consent. Quote, other objective ends of marriage which are born from the natural, from the nature of marriage itself, but which are secondary, are mutual help and comfort of the spouses in the communion of domestic life, as well as the remedy, as is commonly said, for concupiscence. End quote. Among the errors condemned are the theories that by inverting the just order of values put the primary purpose of marriage on a second, which is procreation, not not unity, put the primary purpose of marriage on a secondary level with respect to the biological and personal values of the spouses and that in the same objective order indicate conjugal love as the primary end. It is not, beloved. It is the procreation and education of children is the primary purpose of marriage. In the second chapter, dedicated, and some people say, I don't, I don't agree with that. Well, so what? You are the cup. He's the potter. We are the clay. It doesn't matter what I agree with. I'm not God. I don't know what he knows. Um, your children, when they're three years old, don't agree with you. They're not you. They don't have your wisdom. And they have no right to determine for themselves. They have no right. 
Why, Mommy? Because I say so. But why? I'm not going to explain it to you. You need to understand that I say so and you need to obey. It doesn't mean you shouldn't explain, but there's a time and a place and and an age for some explanations. Professor Matai continues, in the second chapter, dedicated to the rights, duties, and virtue proper, virtues proper to Christian marriage, the schema, taking up the traditional Augustinian doctrine on the three goods, distinguishes the bonum prolis, the bonum fide, and the bonum sacramente. From the bonum prolis is derived the right and duty of spouses to procreate, But artificial insemination, the use of contraceptive means, therapeutic abortion, and any form of termination of pregnancy are prohibited. From the good of the sacrament is derived indissolubility. In fact, the doctrine, the document emphasizes civil union alone, which contradicts the laws of the church that render it null and void does not give rise to any conjugal bond before God, nor does it constitute a sacrament. For this reason, those who have married deceitfully and invalidly against the laws of the church are by every right to be considered public sinners, and the church has the right to declare her errant children as such and to impose canonical penalties on them. Civil divorce and free love are condemned. And the opinion that the lack of love alone justifies considering a marriage as invalid and dissolved is defined as wrong. The third chapter reaffirms the role of the Christian family, rejecting those forms of emancipation that disfigure the nature, function, and role of women under the influence of a false opinion of equality with men. In the fourth chapter, dedicated to the rights, duties, and virtues proper to the Christian family, among other things, the demographic demographic question is addressed in these words, quote, The Holy Synod, urgently exhorting everyone to give such effective help as they are able to families burdened with many children, at the same time severely condemns those who recommend or spread the use of dishonest contraceptive means with the aim of limiting the number of children. By such means, the good of peoples is not defended, as is sometimes falsely claimed today, but rather is the social order corrupted. Finally, the third part exalts sacred virginity condemning those who dare to maintain that the marital state is to be preferred to the state of virginity and celibacy and urges Christian parents to promote sacred vocations in their families. Beloved, we'll continue with this document tomorrow, God willing, and when we come back from the break, it'll be our half hour for your calls and your emails. Toll-free number, the lines are open right now, is one 877 511-5483 or email mother at thestationofthecross.com and we'll be right back.
manifestation of the cross, we proudly bring the truths of the Catholic faith to countless listeners through radio and mobile devices, and we're grateful for the feedback we've received. Catholic radio has just been a lifesaver for me. I start my day with it. I listen to it all day long as much as I can. There's always people calling in with people who've lost children, and I love everyone has to say and the advice of the Catholic Church and how to deal with suffering. It has given me the strength to get through the day and to get out of bed each morning. I am very grateful for it. Catholic Radio to me has been very informative on my religion. It has informed me of many things that I wasn't aware of or should have been aware of, and I've enjoyed it very much listening to it. If you've been blessed by listening to the Station of the Cross, let us know. Call 1-877-888-6279, extension 112, then share your testimonial with us. beloved, this is Mother Miriam. Many of you are familiar with Mother Miriam Live, but I wonder if you have listened to some of the other programs from the Station of the Cross, such as the Catholic Current. Father Robert McTague discusses important topics in the church and in the world each weekday at 5 p.m. Eastern. You can listen anytime to the Catholic Current as a podcast on the iCatholic Radio mobile app. Station of the Cross has many ways to keep you informed about our programming. You can view the highlights of our primetime programming schedule or the full 24-7 programming grid at both thestationofthecross.com or the free iCatholic Radio app. Just search under the Programming tab. Our website also offers a printable version for your convenience. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back to Mother Miriam Live, beloved. This is our half hour together. Our lines are open. You're welcome to call with anything whatsoever on your heart. Um, And the toll-free number is 1-877-511-5483. Or you may email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. We have an email from Theodore who writes, Dear Mother Miriam, We have a thriving little Latin parish here in my diocese of Covington, Kentucky. It is called Our Lady of Lords in Park Hills, Kentucky. Um, I'm, um, I'm familiar with the situation, Theodore. He says, the priests here are holy priests. Indeed, they are. They have excellent homilies and are compassionate and direct in the confessional. Many of their sermons are heard on YouTube and the iCatholic Radio app. They have a thriving parish of good, holy people. Our previous bishop allowed them to function here, but he has since retired. We now have a new young bishop. Yes, I know. Um, And they also founded the uh, missionaries of St. John the Baptist. They are as holy as priests can get. Um, They're friends of the Station of the Cross. And I have met Father Shannon Collins um, uh, what's happened to them is tragic. Um, uh, let me just see. Theodore says, <clears throat> our bishop has recently suspended them, the new young bishop, 
has recently suspended them and revoked their faculties. When I learned that, Theodore, I, I was nauseous inside, sick to my stomach. How on earth to revoke their... One thing to cancel them, to tell them to move on, to tell them not to say these things, but to revoke their faculties. I see it as pure evil. Theodore, I see it as pure evil. Theodore says, how much more of this can we take before there's a schism in our church? I think there's already a schism and the Holy Father is the one who has caused it. At what point do we no longer obey these shepherds who treat faithful priests as wolves and unfaithful priests who have an agenda as lambs. You've really summed it up well. Treat faithful priests as wolves and unfaithful priests who have an agenda as lambs. Um, I don't know how much more of this we can take, but uh, Theodore, um, remain absolutely faithful. Remain absolutely faithful. And I've, I've read since that the Latin parish will no longer be allowed at Our Lady of Lourdes. Um, but I think it it can be celebrated combined with another parish. Just go there. Go to the other parish. Go wherever the Latin Mass is celebrated and pray for Father Shannon and I think Father Sean, I forget the name, I think Polish name of, of the other priest. Um, pray for them and um, pray that our Lord will give them wisdom uh, on how to deal with this and what to do. It's it's absolutely tragic. Tra- I say it's straight out evil, and it's absolutely tragic. Those are faithful, wonderful, holy priests teaching the whole gospel to the sheep and raising them up. Um, the enemy wants to destroy everything that's good. That's the answer to this. So pray for them, dear one, and don't lose hope. They need your prayers. They need your steadfastness, and you just follow the Latin Mass wherever it goes. And again, uh, I think uh, Pope Benedict said, within our lifetime, the church will go underground, and that may be the answer uh, for now anyway. Um, We have a call on the line from Teresa from Massachusetts. Hi, Teresa. Hi, how are you? Oh, I'm okay, sweetheart. Do you have a question? Yes, I do. Uh, I'm almost convincing um, somebody about a marriage that they um, created somewhere out of the country and came back and told everybody, hey, I'm married, but in essence, they're not married and with no intention of having kids because they can't have kids, so adopting nothing. And so I, I, how, how else can I explain that, you know, the primary purpose of marriage is, is to procreate. And even if you can't procreate, well, at least, you know, fake it and make foster some kids, do something. But no, uh, how, well, what else can no, I do? No, not to fake it. Do they claim to be Catholic? Oh, yes. Well, if they claim to be Catholic, um, go to the Council of Trent, it's online, or go to the current catechism and show them that if they were pagans, they'd be less accountable. But as Catholics, they have been consecrated through baptism and through the sacraments to the truth of the church, to, to uh, resist Satan, um, and tell them that not only is their marriage not valid, but they are in absolute mortal sin. 
and explain to them that mortal sin uh, means that the sin they've committed has severed, not that they will be separated from God, that they have separated themselves from God. In order for sin to be mortal, it needs to be grave matter, which living together outside of a proper marriage is is as grave as you get. Um, I don't even know why, Teresa, people use the word irregular. It's not an irregular marriage. As you said, it's not a marriage at all. It's simply sinful cohabitation is what it is. There's no such thing as irregular marriage, and I, I grieve that that's become part of our vocabulary. It's simply sim- sinful cohabitation. So explain to them that they don't need to be excommunicated. They have done so to themselves by committing mortal sin, which means they are um, agreeing to what is very, very grave sin, and they know it's grave, and they choose to do it anyway. Those three factors. They, it has to be grave. They must know it. And it must be of their free will that they do it. In other words, there's not a gun at their head. They're not drugged. And explain those th- three things. And you, you may, they may say, well, we didn't know it was so grave. And say, well, you know it now. You know it now. And if you continue in your cohabitation... If either of you dies during your sleep, you will wake up in hell. And if you die before you repent and get out of this relationship and return to God and confession, you will spend eternity in hell. And if you claim to love each other, you have the wrong idea of love. Love wants what's best for the beloved, not to lead them to hell. That's what I would tell them. So in essence, um, there's no there's no reviving or trying to make that right. Basically, separate and that's it, and stop stop what you're doing is what, is what I've I've commend, recommended. That's they right. Married you, in a Catholic church, you, you can't get annulled because they weren't married there. They were married in some demonic other place. And yeah, so no, they need they're not married, and they need to repent. And and is this two women or two men, or I, woman the and man? The world is. Uh, it's it's basically a man and a woman, but the woman acts like a man. Mm-hmm. Oh, help. Um, tell them if they want a true marriage, they have to repent. They need to live apart in separate buildings, not just the same apartment with separate rooms. They need to separate for six months. They need to go to a priest and they need to repent, and they need to get proper marriage instruction from a holy priest, How and so not come together for six months. How so? Right, what? They can't have kids. I mean, the purpose of marriage is kids, and, and there's no intent for that. It, it, so that second, that, well, that was my main purpose of the call. Because how old are they? Uh, fifty-three and fifty-five. Mm-hmm. Well, that doesn't mean they cannot have children. I I don't think it would be a problem for them to marry at this stage, but they must be open to life if God gives them life. And and there's a lot they can do as a holy Catholic married couple to help other families. The issue is the procreation of children. They can help single parents. They can do a lot to help. And in their 50s, they uh, they can adopt an orphan that no one else will adopt. 
one chance for adoption, she's plain evil. And he's already awoke, but, uh, the, you know, the divorce, when you mention it, it could be death, it could be poisoning of the food, it could be a lot of things. So I have to tread carefully for this divorce, but... Oh, say it again. So you're talking too fast for me. Are you saying... Basically, she's there is no... no evil? Uh, Yes, very, very. There is no intent for kids or, or love for kids, love for anybody for that matter. And um, he's already mentioned the divorce and already starting the process. However, you have to tread carefully because I don't, I don't want it to be a part of the statistic or in the news that he, he turned up dead or poisoning or something. Um, it has to be a very Did they go to a Catholic church? No, it's a separate church. One is a new age, uh, which is the evil you know, person. And... Um, the other one goes to Catholic Church, and they've been separated for many, many years. Uh, no sex because it was the purpose, you know. They can't have kids, so. But he, the feeling is, that I have to, I have to do, I have to do until death do me part. But I say, listen, there was never a marriage, dear. You don't have to commit yourself to death. Do tell you that man, tell that man to go to a priest, and go through confession with the priest and explain the situation. Let the priest help him. At the very least, the priest could give him a decree of nullity. At the very least, that could happen. I don't know if they have to go through a process, but let him go to a good, holy Catholic priest so that he doesn't live in this torment. That decree is, is just as good as a divorce? No, it's better. There's no such thing as divorce. If it's a marriage, there's no such thing as divorce. What the decree says is that the marriage never took place. An annulment is not a Catholic divorce. It's a decree of nullity, which says the marriage is null and void because it never took place to begin with. For that, to, to get him to get specific counseling for that, not just an average uh, 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 confession, somewhere where somebody can direct him and say, listen, you need to confess, you need to do this, and the decree, like lead up to like, all, all in one. I would take the whole thing, all of it, not a separate council. Take the whole thing to a good holy priest. Everything. The priest, a good holy priest can take care of the whole thing with him and lead him through it. Can you please tell me one? Because honestly, you, you're speaking about it. There's a lot of demonic priests and gay and there's a lot of things going on and, and infiltrated in the church everywhere. Okay, Could honey. You please- uh, well, um I wish you could speak to Father Shannon Collins. He's in uh, the one that was just uh, um, uh, dismissed. He's he's absolutely fantastic holy priest. But um, I'd have to uh, somebody in is he is this man in your diocese? Um, no, um, I mean, yes, but no, because he's so depressed, he's not going anywhere. But is there a way I can get off the air and connect with him? Get to, and, Mm-hmm. Um, do you have any idea where he is? Or I need a diocese. I need a location. If he's going to get together with a priest, um, uh, do you have any idea? Of, diocese of, or a city? Uh, Hartford, mm-hmm. Connecticut. Okay, I've just thought of a couple of priests, and they will not do. Um, I'd have to check that. I'd have to look. I'd have to do research on that. So um, I will see what I can do on that, Teresa. Um, um, I 
think there is a good priest in Hartford, Connecticut. But I have to find this out. So leave your number with the call screener. And when I find it out, I will call you. Forget. I, I know you won't, but just... You know I won't call you? Yes. I'm telling you I will. If you'd rather I email you, let, leave me the email. I don't have an email. I'm sorry. You have a phone number? I do. Leave it with the call screener. It may take me a day or two, but I will call you. Oh, thank you so much. You just All right, sweetheart. Okay. There's the break. We'll be right back after the break. of the Cross began broadcasting in Buffalo, New York in 1999. Since then, our listening areas have multiplied and expanded into several states. While our mission is to grow the Catholic faith through radio and other media outlets, our apostolate is supportive of, but independent from your local diocese. Through your generosity, we are able to inspire countless listeners with the gospel and help lead them to a parish to be spiritually nourished by the sacraments. Think about this. There are five freedoms guaranteed in the First Amendment. Freedom of religion, freedom of speech, freedom of the press, freedom to peaceably assemble, freedom to petition the government. Which freedom can you live without? Fortunately, the First Amendment doesn't make you choose. It protects all five freedoms equally. Think first. Go to thinkfirstamendment.org to learn more. powerful sermon you need to share with a loved one? Maybe there's a guest, prayer, or teaching segment that deserves another listen. You can listen to any of our network-produced programs at your convenience by finding us wherever you enjoy podcasts. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Podbean, and the free iCatholic Radio app. Be uplifted in your faith. Listen today at thestationofthecross.com or on your favorite podcasting platform. The Catholic Current, bringing Christ to the world and the world to Christ. The genius of the Middle Ages was to see all things as a whole and integrated. Now everything is specialized. And I love this one quote, it says, we're we're learning more and more about less and less. Until eventually we know everything about nothing. (laughs) (laughs) The Catholic Current, 5 p.m. Eastern, from the Station of the Cross and on the iCatholic Radio mobile app. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. Um, We have uh, another 10 minutes, and that's plenty of time for anyone to call in if you wish. Uh, 1-877-511-5483 or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. We have an email from Stephen 
who writes, I apologize if this is an odd question, but I was wondering if you could tell me what happened to Father Altman. I remember you're having him as a guest on your show a long time ago, but I haven't heard too much about him since. Well, don't take that as a guide that I haven't had him back on the program. It's rare that I have anyone on the program. I think Father Altman and um, uh, Dr. Mark Merrill Valley and Bishop Snyder are the only three I've ever had. Um, as far as I know, Father Altman is doing well. He uh, does a lot with um, uh, John Henry Weston. Hold on, please. On Faith and Reason with John Henry Weston on LifeSite News. He's a regular part. Um, and I know he's doing many conferences. So as far as I know, he is well. Um, email we have from somebody who's written in anonymously and says, Hello, Mother. I hope this email finds you well. Unfortunately, I cannot say that for myself. You see, I am alone in a really intense predicament regarding my family. I'm not sure if you can help me, but maybe you could offer some advice on what to do regarding this situation. To begin, I am from New England area, as is the rest of my family. I was in Cave Creek for a while, but recently my family moved back to New England. I am a fairly recent convert to the faith and I'm really trying to serve God as best as I can now for the problem. To put it bluntly, my grandpa on my mom's side was involved with and knew people in the mafia. He has unfortunately passed, God bless his soul, and I never met him, but have heard stories. Now none of my family members are involved in crimes. In fact, my mother is a prosecutor, and works for the government. But my mom knows people who are in the mafia. She has told me stories about some of her friends who ended up joining and how she is still in contact with them, having their phone numbers and talking occasionally. She also tells me how other of my relatives know these same people as they show up to some of their birthday parties. I do feel it's important to note that none of the stories I was told involve people directly killing or doing illegal things, minus some exceptions, like my mother telling me that if you sold drugs in the mob, you would be killed, or that they only kill bad criminals, along with some others, like overhearing that one of the higher-ups who knew my grandpa said the mob put a hit in Kennedy back when he was president. Mother, I don't know what to do. When I try to bring it up to my mom and express worry and concern about such people, she says that I shouldn't worry about something that I don't understand and that I am making assumptions saying that they kill people as that is my main concern, that the mafia kills people. She says that I shouldn't worry about this stuff, but I'm not sure. I can be a bit neurotic, so maybe she's right, but I don't know what the moral thing to do is. Do I need to call the police on my mom so they can investigate, get these phone numbers, and find the people? Or is this impractical and not worth it? I don't want to ruin my family as I am only 16, and doing this would destroy my family. I just don't know what to do. I have tried praying, but my mind is too clouded with this worry. 
which is why I seek outer help. Do I need to do anything? Or can I just live and move on? Um, I just want to go back, dear one, to your mom's response. Um, oh, again, they show up at some of their birthday parties. You may need, not even know particularly who they are. Um, you know, uh, this is a rough thing. Um, I don't know what you should do. Um, if you know that mafia is coming to a particular family event and you don't want to be part of it, then you simply refuse to go. And you can say why. Just refuse to go. Um, if you don't know and there might be mafia members there, just let it go and just be a holy, wonderful Catholic young lady. Um, I don't know what else to do. Um, either leave it alone and uh, be as good and holy a saint in that circumstance as you could be, assuming you don't know anything about a direct crime. The alternative thing you could do is go to the police and speak to them about this without giving them um, your name or your family's name and just say, there's a situation, I don't know what to do about it, I don't want to report anyone. I don't even want to give you my name because I don't want to destroy my family or cause problems. But here's the situation. What should I do? And ask God to guide through that. And he, they may say, forget about it, let it go, just live your life. And if you actually see anything or are involved in anything that's criminal, then you can let us know. They may do that. Um, uh, but see, see how they advise you. Uh, there's going to be people wiser than me who know how to answer you better. I I, I was friends with Mafia uh, in my 20s. I used to horseback ride. I actually dated Mafia, but I didn't know they were Mafia until I found out, and then I stopped dating them. Um, if you go to New York, um, it, uh, I, this, this um, community almost began in Brooklyn. I wanted to go back to Brooklyn, um, and I was told that the Mafia would get me out. Um, just because they're all over the place. And so it, it's, it's not an easy situation to pinpoint or to um, corral and all of that. So I would say um, if, if it bothers you, which I understand it would, uh, go to the police, but say, I can't give you my name. I know you want my name. I know you want my address. I know you want my phone. I'm not going to give you any of that. I'm concerned um, about my family, and I'm coming to you for counsel, for advice on what I should do, and then judge what their answer is. But um, I, I don't think, your mom thinks you don't understand. You do understand some, and your mom is not breaking friends with them um, uh, for whatever her reasons are. Uh, so I would just say, live your life as a holy witness before God. And if you're invited to be in the or have dinner with people that you know are mafia, just say, I'm sorry, I'm going to refuse this. End of story. Um, and so live your life in peace. But again, you might go to a police or a detective or someone to to get better advice than I could give you. Okay, that's a long answer, which probably didn't help you at all. Um, 
But again, um, just continue living a holy, holy life. And uh, don't be worried about your mom's friends or others because that is going to continue, I can tell you that. Um, I would just live the holiest life you could live. And again, you don't have to come to a Christmas party or birthday party or a dinner or an outing or anything where you know Mafia will be specifically there. You could just say, Mom, I'm refusing. And if she says why, you could just say, I'm not looking to be in the company of Mafia and I refuse to go. And she may try to talk you into it and say, so, sorry, Mama, I won't do that. Um, and let it go with that. And if people say, how come you're not there? Let your mom handle it however she will. Okay, this is, this is not good, I know. But I don't know how else to steer you right now. God bless you, dear one. Um, there's our closing music. And um, we will be with you, God willing, tomorrow. God bless you. <laughs>